Mic check one, two, mic check one, two. We are live and we are back. What's up, everyone? If I could give virtual hugs to every person in this room, you know I would, but I'm not Oprah, so I can't and I won't. Bad Signal podcast is back for football season. I would like to give a huge, generous gratitude hug and shout out. Yes, I am giving some hugs. (laughs) at least for the time being to everyone who has supported this show in the past, who continues to support the show, who continues to ask about the show. I needed some time off. Listen, everyone needs a little break. Sometimes I needed to explore some other things in my career, but it seems as though everyone always drifts back to what they were blessed and born to do. And for me, that is being a broadcaster, whether it's on TV, whether it's on radio and This is the time to thrive. This is the time to put in the effort into a YouTube channel, into the podcast. We got a lot of exciting stuff headed your way, especially today. But speaking of Aaron Rodgers, today, there was a huge media circus that went down this summer. It it seemed like a big PR stunt. And to be honest, I was pretty fucking sick of Aaron Rodgers by the end of it. And I couldn't believe that he would just drum up all of this drama. And I know that he clarified a lot of situations in that post, in that press conference when he came back and he went after the front office and explained his piece. Respect to Aaron Rodgers. I needed someone to kind of decipher a little more because, listen, it was a big deal this summer. And uh, there's a lot of expectations that are leaning on the Green Bay Packers who are like, Runaway favorites, at least right now, like minus 220 favorites to win the North. So myself and Aaron Nagler, he's been covering the Packers for a very long time. We get into that, get into a couple more details on the season. He's got a bombshell prediction, and I'm not just saying this to say it. He's got a bombshell prediction about what's going to happen to Aaron Rodgers late in the season and beyond. I'll just leave you with that cliffhanger. And thank you to all the cheeseheads that are listening to this podcast because of Aaron. Well, let's get to the topics of the day. It's September 9th. I did have to double check my watch, my calendar. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what day, what day is it? September? I feel like these days just fly, fly by. Well, the news and notes today, it's the NFL season opener. We've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys on the docket tonight, Thursday night. The Bucs are going to be massive home favorites, laying eight and a half. Tampa Bay opened earlier in the season, laying six and a half, but now they've become a sizable favorite. Um, But with the public and the sharp money going deep on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, perhaps it's a Tom Brady hype video with the Bucs and people saying that his arm is stronger than ever. He hasn't looked this good since... 2003. It could be that Zach Martin, their starting left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, is out on the COVID list. It's a lot worse than they think. I mean, there's so many factors. They returned their entire roster, 22 players, all 22, and every single one of their coaches. I think that the chemistry, at least Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are saying early in preseason that the chemistry is better than ever on this team. Reigning Super Bowl champs are 13-4-3 and three against the spread in week one. Um, and the Bucks' money line right now is up to minus 400. So a lot of betters looking at this opening line, seeing that it's so overinflated right now. Some books laying eight and a half for Tampa Bay. 
they're jumping on the other side of the bandwagon here. They're jumping on the Cowboys and the points. Um, others who are teaser favorites. Personally, I'm not really a teaser favorite. I do like the parlay. I like to play a parlay, but those who are teaser favorites, the big play here tonight is to tease the Bucks down to minus two. Whether or not Dallas has the ability to keep up offensively. Listen, I, any other circumstance outside of a man named Tom Brady on the other side of the field, I, I might agree with this logic. Um, do the Cowboys have enough offensive weapons to keep up with the box? Sure. CeeDee Lamb was on my fantasy team last year. You've got a coach in Mike McCarthy that's not afraid to throw on every down. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott, for the most part, when he was healthy, he might be throwing for four or 500 passing yards. But uh, the Cowboys, for the most part, because of that horrendous defense, averaging and allowing 29 points per game. I mean, they're throwing down two to three touchdowns. So you got to keep that in mind as well. I have huge questions about that offensive line. As we mentioned, Zach Martin is out. Uh, whether they can keep Dak's jersey clean. Dak has not been on the field since that horrific ankle injury and nursing a shoulder injury during preseason. We haven't seen him on the field. So this is his first live action. And going live action against uh, a Tampa Bay Bucks front seven that was absolutely ferocious. And the reason that Aaron Rodgers was knocked out of the postseason, I mean, those tackles, if Bruce Arians wants to drum up some sort of a scheme to go against the Dallas Cowboys in this opener, uh, they might just go and turn their heads to the NFC Championship game where they could not stop any edge rushers, period. Dak and the boys, they got to move the ball. Um, Zeke Elliott, is he going to stop fumbling the ball? That's a big question. Do they really need to establish the run game? I mean, I, for me, I, I would go under on a lot of Zeke's numbers, at least in this game, because of how good the Bucks' defense, their run defense is. They were first on offense and defense in the top three in DVOA last year. So um, I just don't think for me personally, I, I, I don't like the Cowboys odds here. You know, um, they have a new defensive coordinator in Dan Quinn. Um, I, I don't think that they're so unstoppable in that sense. There's a lot of questions about some young guys and who's going to be rotating at linebacker. I know that hearing some whispers down there in Dallas that, He's um, Dan Quinn has simplified the scheme. It's a lot easier to learn. It's a lot easier to go. But um, I, I, at least in my perspective, this is going to be Tom Brady's game. This is going to be all about him launching balls all over the field. We're going to see his arm strength on display. We're going to see Antonio Brown and his connection with Brady on display. I think that that's kind of a really sneaky fantasy pickup as well. Antonio Brown, you've seen the connection in preseason. And I, I, I know that there's some questions. I think um, Chris Godwin was questionable. Uh, this worries me a little bit. I might put him on my bench for my fantasy team. But once again, um, typically these two teams, very popular on Thursday night football. You typically shade to the under on some of these games, at least for the opener of an NFL. But uh, that number right now is sitting at 51 and a half. I think the Bucs could lay 35 points themselves on this one. So uh, my play for this game tonight, uh, I'm not doing anything tricky. I'm not looking at the unders and uh, who's against the spread on grass fields and road games against teams that were over 500. I mean, there's so many stats to look at. It really is a numbers game. 
betting is a numbers game. You have to have a system and you go with it. But sometimes you got to go with your gut. And for me, I'm going the Bucks minus eight and the over 51 and a half. I'm laying that in a parlay at plus 265. I believe I got those odds from DraftKings. So there is my short preview for tonight. I can't say enough about Tom Brady and what he is doing in the league right now. And listen, by the way, he's pretty fucking good at social media, huh? Is, he, is Tom Brady running laps around us in social media these days? Because um, it seems like every day he's got a new hype video. He's doing TikToks with Gronk doing all these social social trends. DeAndre Hopkins, by the way, I saw that he put out a really funny TikTok, but um, it's basically pumping himself up for the season. But Tom Brady's social media team, hat tip for you. Um, he posted a hype video and says, every great story deserves a sequel and ours begins now. Wow. Well, I will tell you one thing. If there is any foreshadowing that we can give to Tom Brady's upcoming 22nd season, think back on Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning played for the Broncos after 13 seasons in Indianapolis. And I mean, this guy was slinging guns all over the field. He threw for 4,600 yards, 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Sounds pretty familiar to Tom Brady's numbers last year. Brady threw for about 4,600 yards. I would I would edge to the over on, on all of these numbers. I, I think that Brady's just going to have a tremendous year. Listen, they, they might run into their issues. Just given the continuity of the team, I know that there can be some problems. There's a lot of turnover in the league this year, and I think that there is a lot of potential for some teams to emerge uh, victorious as they haven't done in years past. We've seen a record number of rookie quarterbacks, including Mac Jones, McCorkle in New England. Let's talk about the kid for a second. Beats out Cam Newton. Patriots surprisingly cut Cam Newton off the team because in a lot of people's eyes inside that building and a lot of experts across the country, Mac won by a mile. In preseason, he won by a mile during during training camp, the hot summer days when Cam Newton was out on COVID protocol. He took the reins. He is smart. They have thrown a lot of information at him. He is buying into the system. No more evident than him being on the podium yesterday, doing his press conference for week one, ahead of week one, talking about Tom Brady. And the kid says, quote, Tom Brady did a really good job. The, like, does Bill have this kid programmed or does he have him programmed? I mean, my God, there is a lot to be excited about Mac Jones. And I think Patriots fans should be excited too. Do I think that he's going to be the offensive rookie of the year with all of those odds that jumped from 20 to 1 to Three to one to five to one. Uh, I'm not so sure, but I do think Mac Jones is going to have the longevity to give the Patriots what they need this season. And what they really need is to put up 35 points per game. Um, this defense cannot withstand holding a lead if your offense is putting up 17, 20 points. I mean, I feel like. As much as I'm grateful for what Cam Newton gave to this team for the last couple of years, I guess, for the last year or so, I could not fucking watch this offense for another season. 
And you know who else couldn't stomach it for much longer? It's Josh McDaniels. And before I kind of dive into this offseason and and the moves that the Patriots made and Bill's decision on whether to cut Cam Newton or not, I think that there needs to be kind of an understated statement, if that makes sense. Did I make sense? I'm not sure. There needs to be a blanketed statement. There needs to be a statement put out there that although this is Bill Belichick's team, although he is the general manager, the person who wins out more in this situation is Josh McDaniels. Mac sees the game the way Josh sees the game. For all of the work that Josh did with Cam, he couldn't execute the game the way that Josh wanted to. Mac Jones had eight preseason drives. Not a single drive didn't end at a touchdown or a field goal. He's stepping back in the pocket, the cadence, his ability to change a call on the fly. He operates the run game better. He can get in and out of plays better. He can execute the play action. He looks like the second coming of Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, hold your horses on that. I'm not, I'm not putting any labels on the kid, at least right now, but this is not Bill's decision. This has so much to do with Josh's decision. And although they did bring in pieces, uh, think about it. They brought in a bunch of tight ends. In the last four, in the last two seasons, they brought in four tight ends, drafting Dalton Keene, Devin Asiasi, and then paying an exorbitant amount of money to Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, who I do think is going to be the Patriots' secret offensive weapon um, in this upcoming year, not only for his versatility as a tight end and the size and the pure speed of him to act as a wide receiver in a tight end's body, his ability to line up as a running back, which he did a lot in Tennessee. I'm not saying that John o. Smith is, is going to be lining up a running back, but um, offensive scheme wise, Josh McDaniels wanted to go back to the playbook. I think the easiest thing for the Patriots right now to pick up the pieces from last season, which was a mega disappointment, mega disappointment, seven and nine season, is to find what is familiar and to work with what's familiar. And running the same offense that is the bread and butter of this New England Patriots team for the last 20 years, yeah, that's what Josh wanted to do. That's what Bill felt comfortable doing. Uh, now, whether or not Bill changed his mind late in the season. I think that there is a, a lot of questions that I have, at least on the way that he treated Cam, I mean, and treated him, put him on a pedestal. He protected him at all costs without question. It was always Cam is our quarterback. Cam is our quarterback. Cam is our damn quarterback. And there are no questions asked with that. He brought Cam back on short money, with the ability to pay him with incentives, he gave him another chance. And I know there's a lot of hurt feelings from fans of Cam Newton, who, by the way, is still waiting for a team. I don't know how much Colin Coward has information inside the Patriots organization, but he did mention something like the market for an unvaccinated quarterback is very small. He could go to Denver, who's desperate for a quarterback upgrade, but Vic Fangio was getting older and his go to his old friend, Ron Rivera, down there in D.C., who desperately needs a quarterback. But Ron Rivera, as we all know, overcame cancer, immune system compromised, 
That being said, Cam Newton's going to make a little announcement on Friday, so we'll be tuning in to what he has to say. Uh, back to Bill defending Cam. For those of you that say that Bill didn't do enough for Cam, let me reflect on a year in 2003 where Richard Seymour, an all-pro defensive lineman, Richard Seymour, who will be in the Hall of Fame in a couple of years, he missed a practice in December because of his maternal grandmother died. He left to go to a funeral. He was benched during the game. Bill benched him during the game. Pulling up an article from the Hartford Current, because, you know, you type in the Google machine, you can figure this all out. His voice didn't crack, but after Sunday's 27-13 victory, Patriots defensive tackle Richard Seymour looked several times to be on the verge of tears. Minutes earlier in the post-game press conference, coach Bill Belichick grew testy when asked why he had not started Seymour until he threw him in with 9.22 left in the second quarter. Bill says, coaching decision. Sorry to hear everybody can't understand that, but I do. I think it is best for the team. Yeah, he missed the practice. He missed Wednesday's practice, Thursday practice to attend his grandmother's funeral. He was benched by Bill Belichick. Now, do not tell me that Bill did not do enough for Cam. Okay? I'm just flat out there. This is the same guy. We are seeing a completely different version of Bill Belichick this year. Of course, he's made decisions and maybe he kept Cam back in there after the COVID protocol, threw him right back into the ones. He didn't make any inclination that he was going to do what he did. Maybe he knew that because the media is super smart and we're real fucking nosy. But all indications of history, this is a different type of history. Bill treated Cam much differently, with much more respect, as he had in years past with other players, period. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. You heard me talk too much about the Patriots today. Why don't we bring someone else into the program? So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Nagler on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. No better to have a Thursday night preview of the first game of the NFL season 2021 than my good friend Aaron Nagler. I mean, he wears many, many hats, and right now he's reporting live from the Cheesehead TV studio, although he lives in New York because I've gotten many a text late at night on a Thursday or Friday asking me if I like jazz and whiskey. I don't know what you're talking about. I plead the fifth, uh, but although uh, I certainly have in, imbibed in both jazz and whiskey on thursday nights how are you i haven't seen you in forever how you doing i'm I'm doing i'm doing okay i'm doing okay i tore apart my studio because this is the first episode back since the super bowl decided that i hated it and then i realized that i have nothing else to put up on the wall so uh for those of us that are watching this on youtube on the bad signal podcast youtube channel by the way for all my aaron nagler fans bad signal podcast on Spotify. I'm a big Apple person. I kind of direct them to the Apple page. Are, are you kind of like that too or no? I'll tell you what. Um, I was hardcore Apple for a long time, but I've really kind of switched over to Spotify just because I love their malleability of their playlists. Uh, I still yeah. were available on all the platforms. Obviously, you got to be. You got to be where people are, which is everywhere. 
but for no. myself personally, I love Spotify. It's uh, it's so easy to use, and uh, it's for me, it's 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 the best as far as playlists goes. I'm a playlist fiend, so yeah, I'm always on the on, on Spotify for that reason. Yeah, you you are a renaissance man of many things. And by the way, I was not um, trying to put you down by saying that you indulge in uh, a couple of whiskey. You are a whiskey connoisseur. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about right now. I oh. I I I love I love a drink, no doubt about it. Um, I do love whiskey when I'm listening to the jazz. So it's like it's just a perfect combination. It's the perfect combination. I, I've known Aaron Nagler for a long long time, and he is the expert. With the Green I will Bay say, Packers. that's so funny when you said, like, when you texted and said, no, come on the podcast, etc. I, I had, I was you've known you for a long time. We, we had to go find dinner in Green Bay when you were in town. And I remember yes. you like shooting down like every possibility. You were like, no, no, no. <laughs> I have never met someone so hell bent on finding just the right. I don't even I don't even think it was like I want to find this kind of food. It was just like it had to be food made to your standard. Never settle. Uh, never settle. I no, like never settle. I, as the daughter of a restaurateur and a chef, I uh, very clearly yes. Yeah, I have an affinity for um, fancy food, which is actually kind of worked against me when I've come home and worked at various restaurants like uh, the 15 Beacon, which is the Federalist, which is Moo, which is a four star steakhouse, and I would come home right. and. I would I would look at my dad. I'm like, I'm not eating pork anymore. And he's like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? And you can oh, starve. Man. You know, you know where so. else it works against you? In Green Bay, Wisconsin. Green that's, Bay, that's, Wisconsin. That's a, that's, a place. that's a tough place if you're looking for five-star restaurants. So I was just uh, well, I think I was I was like hounding on Yelp and I needed to find like that is I, yes. I, I had that a pretty perfect I had a pretty, summation of the night. <laughs> I had a pretty hefty expense account there. So I um often Apologies to my uh, former employer at NFL Network. Right. I often would go out and treat myself to a nice $100 dinner, um, you know, including the appetizers, two drinks, and uh, a, a nice $40 fish entree. That actually was my favorite trip of all of my trips of with the NFL Network. Yes. I got there on a Wednesday. I remember I stayed there to the very end because my brother was getting married that weekend. So I had to oh, fly. Oh, that's right. I totally yes. forgot about that. That's right. Amazing. Yeah. So I had to um, drive to Milwaukee in the middle of the night. That was fun. And uh, get on a plane to go. Yeah. But um, I had got there extra early. I think I got, no, I got there on a Monday. Um, And I don't know if it was you or or a couple other people. They told me to go up to, as they say, the thumb of Wisconsin. Yeah. Door County. Yeah. Door County. Absolutely. Yes. Door County. They were like, you have to go. And uh, I ventured all the way up there an hour and a half with my playlist. And oh, it looks it's nicer than Cape Cod with the foliage. It was beautiful. And I wound up gorgeous up up in Door County. No question. Yeah. Yeah. I wound up buying a uh, like a four hundred dollar fur rabbit vest, which I uh, did. Of course you did. That's the least surprising thing I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so needless to say. No, but uh, the hits were great. It was also the same game that uh, we had Brian Hoyer, who is oh, a wow. um, who is a veteran of the New England Patriots, who will uh, be on the Patriots three times before he retires and dies. And uh, you know, it's a, he's a lifer at this point. But that was the game that I jinxed him, and he tore his ACL against the um, yeah against the Packers and the Bears. But um, I got to say, and Linda Holiday, who is Bill Belichick's girlfriend, um, was watching my stories, and I was—it was—I timestamped walking through 
the hallways or the garage door at Lambeau right. Field at 5.50 right. to do my hits because, remember, I was on Central Time, so we were live mm-hmm. at 6 a.m., and she's like, it gives you fucking chills, doesn't it? I was like, yes, it does. <laughs> Lambeau Field is See? That's a woman with appreciation right there. That's oh, I know. Hey, listen, coming – you know that that's coming straight from Bill Belichick's mouth, too. So, yeah, you know, right. Bill oh, loves God. Lambo. Something that is so unappealing about Hard Knocks, just in general as a show. Oh, is is there anything show. less appealing than that show? And Mike McCarthy as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. As a coach and in your history, what is his right. most pungent football trait? Ha! Oh, there are so many. Um... No, I kid. I actually like Mike as a coach, and I think he's better than most people give him credit for. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers overrides everything, right? But sure. uh, there are things that drive me insane about him. He is, without question, the most stubborn coach, if not human being, that I've ever, ever met. Uh, the fact that even toward the end, when everything was kind of falling apart in Green Bay, he would not adjust to the realities of the offense that he had on the field, as opposed to we're going to run my stuff. I'm not going to give my tackles help. His stubbornness more than anything is what I think, obviously along with his, you know, deteriorating relationship with Aaron Rodgers, or what ended his tenure in green Bay. I I, I do think he's better than most of the outside world gives him credit for. Everyone talks about Aaron Rodgers without, recognizing the fact that without Mike, Aaron probably doesn't become Aaron. And I know a lot of Aaron Rodgers fans really get testy when I say that, but he, Tom Clements, and maybe one or two other people are primarily responsible for developing Aaron Rodgers into the Aaron Rodgers that we all know and love now. Um, That said, you know, Mike, like I said, he's stubborn beyond belief. Uh, I love the fact that he has gone to Dallas, which is obviously a long time rival of the Packers it is still very 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 weird to see him in that context like you mentioned hard knocks like seeing him break down the huddle or talk pep talk the guys in the you know halftime of the preseason of a Cowboys game it's just that to me is really still very bizarre well, I, they did have Jason Garrett as as their head coach at one point, and Jason right. Garrett then moved over to uh, be the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants, I believe. Correct? Right. Am I correct? correct. Yes. Yep. Okay. 100%. My memory, my memory does serve me. The Clappers correct. here yeah. in New York now. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, and and even that is laughable because given the <laughs> Giants' offense this year and how bad their offensive line is, and the fact that they're leaping for joy to get help over there, and Jason Garrett, uh, you know. Clearly, Jerry Jones does not make very many smart decisions. Perhaps he is just um, distracted by his $250 million yacht and, uh, you know, making sure that all of the uh, nickels and dimes and all that come in. Jerry's printed money at this point. Come on. We all, you know, Jerry's just printing. I don't know. Steven's the one probably somewhat running the shop, but, you know, Jerry, you know, he's just at this point, kind of along for the ride. And I know he still has his radio show and he's still quote unquote, the GM, but man, he's counting his money. You could say the same. There, there's so many similarities that I'm sitting here and looking and thinking of parallels and parallels. And you could say the exact same about Robert Kraft and uh, whether or not Jonathan Kraft has kind of stepped in and that fine Mm. line between uh, when do we tell dad that we're taking over the team? (laughs) We're we're gently pushing him aside. (laughs) 
when do we whisper to perhaps perhaps during uh you know robert's uh 80th birthday party this summer when he was uh you know partying like he was 35 which he dad, often does dad um, dad it's time it's time yeah dad. Dad, no dad, dad dad i know i know it's time <laughs> Um, well, we'll get back to a, a, a tangent city here. Um, you know, in, in terms right. of, in terms of, hold on, I have to, I have to sit here and think about what uh, there was a, um, uh, there was a comparison. What were you saying? Oh, 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 okay. So one of the parallels that I was just thinking about as you were speaking and a lot of the conversation, at least here in new England, a lot of it as Tom Brady has walked out the door and since won a oh. Super Bowl ring with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, right. by the way, the Cowboys are facing on Thursday night, and we'll get to in a second. But um, who is more responsible for the Patriots dynasty? Is it Bill Belichick? Is it Tom Brady? I mean, we had former players coming out and saying Bill didn't do shit and he didn't go out there and run routes so I can win rings oh, and put them on their fingers and all the stupid things that um, people have naively said to the greatest coach of all time. Uh, this is what blows me away. Like, this is what drives me nuts, right? It's like, can we just recognize that there was a symbiotic relationship and without well, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady never becomes Tom Brady? Well, you I, know, I agree. Charlie Weist and Josh McDaniels didn't just suddenly materialize to start calling plays for Tom. You know, Tom didn't arrive as Tom Brady. And I know it, we're all excited about the idea of this young kid who came in because Bledsoe got hurt and he just arrived and was amazing. No, no, he was developed, you know, yeah. like he didn't just walk onto a football field and become Tom Brady. Like there's a lot of kind of toil and sweat and hours, man hours put yeah. into developing the quarterback. And yes, he has turned into one of, if not the greatest of all time. Although as a fan of Bart Starr, I bristle at the, the dismissiveness yeah. of that goat yes. moniker, but you know, yes, he's amazing. And there's zero doubt that he was able to go to Tampa Bay and do what he did. And it didn't hurt that they had a strong run game and an awesome defense, of course, but he's still phenomenal. No doubt about yeah. it. But this yeah. idea that Bill Belichick is suddenly some schlub is absolutely laughable. Well, laughable. Uh, I, I, I agree with you on that. And I think that, much of the conversation, at least on this side of the country, is that in the beginning of Tom Brady's career, he really truly did need the Bill Belichick decisive um, picking of the personnel of defense and picking up guys like Brian Cox and um, aligning a secondary that was so strong with Lawyer Malloy and Ty Law and all these you know little pieces that they really did need that defense in order for Tom Brady to succeed and have you know the the greatest. Uh, foot of all time to go down I mean, and kick field goals but uh, yeah I well, mean, that's, it is, but that's the thing it, right it's the supporting yeah. cast it's a team game i mean the the comparison always gets made between tom brady and aaron Rodgers. packers fans are obsessed with it because brady's got all the rings yeah. and yeah. Rodgers is clearly incredibly physically gifted and talented yeah. and a great thrower yeah. of the football but doesn't have the rings tom does but then you look at the comparisons in the playoffs as far as what you're talking about the defense the packers defense more often than not, has given up 30-plus points again yeah. in yeah. the playoffs, whereas yeah. Tom Brady has been afforded phenomenal defenses that suffocate their opponents. So yeah. this idea that, like, you know, oh, he's done it all on his own, it's all Tom, is absolutely laughable. Well, so on that same thread, Mike McCarthy and the relationship with Aaron Rodgers, that which you alluded to, that 
a lot of his success and they came up together. They, he has credit for yes. um, developing one of the greats as we, you know, as we know no is, you know, the reigning MVP and everything that Aaron Rodgers deserves and all the accolades that the Packers front office were, did not allow him um, <laughs> to express right. until uh, the explosion of a circus in the middle right. of the summer. But, you know, how, how much of, how much of uh, the Packers success was dependent on on McCarthy earlier in those early years and kind of like in your estimation when did we really see the emergence of Aaron Rodgers coming onto the scene I mean there's no doubt that look in 2009 you really saw the incredible potential and talent from Aaron in a sense of oh wow this is something maybe most weren't expecting you saw him not only able to make every throw, but really start to take command of the offense. You don't forget that incredible playoff game down in Arizona when he's basically going throw for throw with Kurt Warner. Yeah. Um, obviously for the Packers, it ended badly because of the face mask and the fumble and what have you, and Arizona goes and wins it in overtime. But that was the first year where you're like, wow, this is really something special. Go to 2010, the year they win the Super Bowl, they won the Super Bowl, but they were a wild card team. You know, they were a sixth seed. They had to go on the road for three games, and most people remember the Atlanta game. He's yeah. absolutely insane. Yeah. And then 2011, when they're 15 and one and setting offensive efficiency records, that's when Aaron really took over. And I thought Ryan Grant had the absolute best kind of analogy. The former Packers running back, um, he was quoted in the Ty Dunn piece for Bleacher Report during the whole kind of breakup between McCarthy Rogers and the Packers. Yeah. And he said, look, you know, Mike absolutely brought Aaron along, built Aaron up. But at some point, Aaron became like artificial intelligence where, okay, you've built me. I'm now this good. Now I know I don't need you anymore. And that's, yeah. I think where Aaron got with Mike, it was like, okay, thanks for teaching me. But now I'm going to, I'm going to take it from here because I don't need you. Like this is over. And, yeah. you know, for better or worse, that is absolutely how it kind of transpired and played out in Green Bay. That doesn't diminish the work Mike did to build him, so to speak. True. But there's no doubt that Aaron, as a unit, as a person, as a player, uh, he is exponentially better than I think Mike ever probably expected him to be. And I think most people outside the building ever expected him to be. Yeah. Has Green Bay paid a heavy toll for the transgressions that – Rare Aaron Rodgers' relationship kind of um, unfolded this offseason. Have they have they felt the wave of what what they did? Do you know what I'm saying? Like nah, just the right. negligence. Have they have they have they been paid back the way that Aaron Rodgers perhaps would like their karma to be paid back? Right. I, I do think that's a big part of it. Uh, as far as the unleashing of the uh, the discontent, if you will. Yes. It's no mistake that Adam Schefter drops that tweet a few hours before the draft, right? Go back a year before when Aaron Rodgers of this is quoting him. Well, I'm paraphrasing, but these are his, you know, his thoughts where I'm at home, I'm watching the draft, I see we're trading up, I'm really hoping it's Justin Jefferson. Oh wait, it's a quarterback. I pour yeah. myself four fingers of tequila and I wait for all the incoming texts and calls. This this is him talking. Not me. I'm not putting words in his mouth. This yeah. is what he has said. Now you fast forward a year, right before the draft starts, 
Adam Schefter drops this bomb about Aaron Rodgers is done with the Packers. It's all over. He's never coming back, etc. You know that was about making the Packers twist in the wind, making them squirm kind of the way he felt uncomfortable, the way he felt humiliated the year before, trying to give the Packers a taste of their own medicine, essentially, because ultimately he knew he knew there was he didn't have any leverage as far as trying to you know get himself out of Green Bay to force a trade. He just signed an extension a few years ago. You know, there's play, he's got three years left on his deal. So I do think there's a large part of it that was about look, you made me feel horrible last year. I'm gonna make you feel terrible all summer long. And I did grudge for it. I get he was upset about it. Thankfully, cooler heads have prevailed and they're obviously now ready to take on this season. But um, yeah, as far as like what the Packers have learned or have they paid their price, what have you, I'm with Andrew Brandt who said, you know, outside of some uncomfortable moments and some awkward conferences, what Packers have given up? They had to trade for Randall Cobb to placate their quarterback. Outside yeah. of that, they, yeah, they've adjusted his contract a little bit. But they're still on schedule, ultimately, the way they would have been had none of this happened. They're still probably planning on turning to Jordan Love sooner rather than later. Yes, it might be one year before they were ready to. But ultimately, this didn't cost them a whole lot. Yes, like I said, a lot of bad headlines, a lot of speculation on the outside of the building. But ultimately, if you're the Packers, I think you're still on schedule for what your plan was. So if you're walking into the Packers 2021 season, and I, I know that this conversation, again, is reflective of things that are being discussed here in New England, that should Cam Newton have stayed on and been the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots, at least that part of a Patriots fan or someone who is watching the situation from afar, you would kind of say, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sitting there and I'm thinking, Okay, I, I feel a little better if this experiment doesn't work out because I trust our backup quarterback. Now, granted, right. that's not really the best feeling to have going into a football <laughs> season is saying, right. oh, I love our backup quarterback. I'm so excited. Right. I would say about 30 of the 32 teams have terrible backup quarterbacks and it wouldn't be so excited if Mitchell Trubisky stepped in for Josh Allen right. and took the reins of Brian Dable's right. office. Off offense, excuse me. However, um, it, my first question, I guess, is part one, part two. Are the Packers wrong for not talking about extending Rodgers after the MVP season? And, I mean, is this sort of a hindrance or an inevitability that Jordan Love is going to take over at some point in the season? Because if that's the case then this isn't going to have that last dance feel that everyone assumed it would be. Right. No, I think there is an inevitability, you know, to it as far as turning to Jordan. I don't think it happens in season. I think they'll let this season play out. It's win the Super Bowl or bust in Green Bay, like more so than it's ever been. It's it's obviously been that for the last four or five years, but no question about it. the the relationship and mostly it's between Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, everybody tries to dance around that Packers organization and Aaron Rodgers, but it's really Brian and Aaron. Um, you know, Brian took Jordan Love for a reason. He's a young general manager who's entering, you know, the 
fourth year of a fifth year contract. He wants his guy and he yeah. knows father time is undefeated. And look at some point you've been to the NFC championship game. How many times with Aaron Rodgers? And I understand it's not his fault more often than not, but at some point the makeup of your, t- of your team, your construction of your team has been centered around Aaron Rodgers, and everything you've done is because of Aaron Rodgers. So it's not like, oh, they've had a bad defense. It's not like they haven't been trying to field a good defense. It just hasn't worked. Yeah. And for whatever reason, like last year, perfect example, it could have all set up perfectly for the Packers, and it did right up until David Bakhtiari had a very, very fluke injury in practice on New Year's Eve day. Yeah. You know, that's something as a general manager, you can't control that. Yeah. You know, you switch you you switch the the teams. You look at Tom Brady. Everyone talking about Tom Brady won a championship. Well, yeah, his offensive line was healthy. It certainly helps. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's so many things that go into it. But I do think, yeah, this this season feels inevitable. It feels like it's Super Bowl or bust. And regardless, and I this earlier in the offseason, and maybe I am. It I certainly it certainly feels like. Even if the Packers win the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers has a phenomenal year. I still think they trade him at the end of the season. And I know that sounds insane, but I tell you what, it would be the craziest probably modern sports story that we've had in quite a while, but it just feels like this, this divorce imminent. Wait, okay. I got to have you backtrack that because what you just said was pretty explosive that it's insane. Given everything that's happened this season and the lead up to it and going out to trade for Randall Cobb from the Texans and bringing in that last dance feel that you believe, I, are, are we talking about if the Packers are out of the postseason? Because they're still runaway favorites to win the NFC North. I know that that was a big lead up to what Aaron Rodgers was going to do with the sports books took all the Packers numbers off the board and retiring and all that stuff, which, you know, I had also heard, but you're saying that if the Packers are still in the mix, that they would trade away Aaron Rodgers at the end of the season in order to get something in return. Sure. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise wow. me at all. Would not surprise me at all. And look, it looked no okay. further than the salary cap. If you want to go, you know, black and white, hardcore, like facts, set some 50 million over the cap next year. That's a spot they have never been in, in the modern era. And I know there's a lot going on with the cap, the way it, it, it declined for the first time ever, blah, blah, blah. Brian and the Packers brought back essentially the same team, but there's a few pieces missing like Corey Ansley, yeah. et cetera. But for the most part, they maneuvered contract-wise to bring back the same squad because they thought, okay, we, we had a bad run of luck there, the Bakhtiari injury, other things, et cetera. This is still a championship-level team. Obviously, I think they've had a pretty strong draft. They've added some pieces. This is our team. But they did so at the expense of 2022 in regards to bringing back this team again because there's no two ways about it. There are, with or without Aaron Rodgers, there are a number of tough decisions they are going to have to make when it comes to the salary cap next year, whether that's Zadarius Smith, Adrian Amos, and any number of guys you could point to with contracts that are nearing the end and or who have been adjusted already where their cap hits are going to be pretty prohibitive in 2022. The one way you give yourself a huge amount of relief 
is to trade yeah. Aaron Rodgers, get a boatload of stuff back for him, whether that's players, picks, what have you. And look, if he has a season even anywhere approaching what he had last year, I'm not saying he has to win the MVP again, but if he has a monster season, like expecting Will's offense, he's still going to command an insane amount of value in a trade. Wow. And that's your reset. Again, you're a young general manager. You've got your quarterback. You're looking towards the future. Father time is undefeated. I wouldn't be. I'm not predicting it. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it would not surprise me in the least. Well, I have a couple things to to say about that. First of all, I, I have questions about the Packers tackles and whether or not they really invested the time to um, improve the tackle position because that was one thing during that NFC championship game was that, you know, the, uh, the Bucks edge rushers coming off the edge were just absolutely obliterating the pocket. And that did not allow Aaron to have the most amount of success. Don't tell me if you're going to run the ball into the end zone or toss it or whatever play calling <laughs> scenario right. that you want to run back. Uh, they, they couldn't handle the rush. So um, that's one question that I have about this Packers team in order to keep Aaron Rodgers' jersey clean. The second is the chemistry. You know, I think that everyone can understand that chemistry on a football team uh, really determines how far a team goes in this league despite the ability. And kind of what you were alluding at, because I'm so fascinated by this idea that Aaron Rodgers would be traded at the end of the season, um, the question is, like, Clearly, if Rodgers is unhappy, then the chemistry in the locker room is going to prevent them from doing well. So, I mean, doesn't this earnest go on the quarterback to keep things together? I mean, do you, yeah, see, I mean, do you see him eminently, like, becoming unhappy at the end of the season? Like, Well, that's the thing, right? We've got these reports where they'll revisit this at the end of the year. That was the kind of narrative when the story broke that they had adjusted his contract, right? When he returned to green Bay and he was showing up for camp they adjusted his deal. And the idea that I think from Schefter and Pelissero and a couple other national guys was they'll revisit at the end of the year where the relationship is, et cetera. Yeah, Look, yeah. I don't expect it to be much different than it is right now from an organizational standpoint, i.e. his relationship with Brian, which yeah. is again, which is most yeah. of this comes down to, but I don't think Aaron's going to be a problem. I, I think most of this was going no, on last I, year yeah, and they had an outstanding that. season. I think they have a really good ability to kind of compartmentalize, right? Like this is the football field. This is the locker room, the business side, the contract side that is completely separate. Um, they've done a really good job of it so far. I expect that to continue as far as the tackles go. You're right in the sense of no doubt about it. That was a big, big reason that the bucks were able to kind of, beat the Packers and advance to the Super Bowl in that game. Again, you can't control a fluke injury to David Bakhtiari. I think yeah. something we've seen so far in camp this year, what I wish they would have gone to last year, LMKs, they're all pro, all, you know, pro bowl guard, has switched yeah. and gone to left tackle throughout camp and been outstanding. Uh, he's played all five positions across the line in his time in Green Bay. Uh, I expect he's going to have a really – good run at left tackle these first six games without David Bakhtiari heading into this season. Um, but yeah, have they improved that position? I don't know about that, but I think there's depth behind 
from the Titans, who was a 17-game starter for them. Um, I think they've done enough to bolster it that if they were put in that position again, I think they're a little better off. But yeah, there's no doubt yeah. that you've got to, and it does come down to play calling somewhat. Like if you're going into the third, fourth quarter, you've picked Tom Brady off twice. You've had trouble stopping the rush all day. Maybe run the ball. Maybe yeah. pound the rock a little bit. You know, uh, I, it's all easy to say in hindsight. I understand that, but yeah. I do think they got caught up in the idea of, oh, we're going to throw it around on the Bucks. Well, if you can't block anybody, that's 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 a real tough ask. Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of this year rides on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers. I think that he wants. And he welcomes the opportunity to have all of that pressure that's put upon him. I listened to a a podcast with him and uh, the great Dan Levitard, who is an absolutely phenomenal interviewer. I mean, he is just the the words that he puts out is just um, it's like an English class. You just learn something (laughs) new every day um, with the things that he puts together. And he interviewed Aaron Rodgers. And I have to say, as I was driving home from New York and kind of the early morning fog, no coffee, it, I found it to be a little annoying. Um, oh, no. Just um, uh, the extensiveness of, of Rodgers' mellow tone and speaking of hints of the Dalai Lama and, <laughs> um, you know, centering oh. and um, meditating and... Listen, I'm all about meditation, but are you, I, I, who is Aaron Rodgers right now? And I, I mean, like, is his mind really, I won't say that he's a professional. His mind will be on the NFL no. for this year, but yes, yes I, I, I just, I, I, I don't, can you just like decipher what I listened to? I just found <laughs> it to be like, I don't even want to listen to this guy. Can you? Right. I hear you. I mean, look, self-help mo- like podcast. Right, I would have put one right. of those on. It was just annoying. Well, you know, but the, he's kind of at the mercy of what Dan asks him too. Right. I mean, that's not entirely on Aaron, he but I do hear an you. Extreme, and I was I, like, I, I know. I hear you. I hear you. Huh? I hear, look, look, is it for me? No, <laughs> it, it ain't. That ain't my, like I said, I just want to drink beer and eat butter burgers, but you are that of idea of, um, you know, finding your center, finding your inner peace. Like Aaron's on that train and Hey, yeah. God bless him, man. That's awesome. Right. I will say one of the things that Aaron said a couple of years ago about, um, manifesting, which is something that is all of a sudden all rage. Like a lot of yeah. people talk about this now, like visualizing and manifesting it into existence. Aaron was talking about that like five years ago. Okay. You know, he's, he's, he's been ahead of the curve on a lot of, a lot of things when it comes to just centering yourself. And I like, Yes. Does is it does it get a little out there for me sometimes? Yeah, a little bit. But hey, he's on he's on a completely different life track than I am. That's obvious. Yeah. And yeah. if that's what works for him and it's clearly working, uh, hey, more power to him. Uh well, will I, I listen to it in podcast form regularly? Probably no, not. No. Uh I found it to be interesting though, the point that was made that at least it's some uh, craziness that the chaos of an NFL quarterback in the, you know, him saying that he experienced extreme anxiety and the doubt and the questions before uh, long, important drives or, uh, you know, that, right. that he found it to be necessary for a man in his position to kind of indulge in that type of learning, which more power to him. I mean, he's a brilliant guy. I'm not, and I was just kind of joking about, 
what I was saying before. I'm not taking anything away from Aaron Rodgers, but, uh, you know, he is a different cat. And I think a lot of people want to know what he's doing next year. So for you, (laughs) I think you're alluding to the fact that he's going to get traded and go and continue his football career elsewhere. However, if you were a betting man, what do you think Aaron Rodgers will be doing? Will he be leaving the NFL or is he kind of, uh, you know, is he yearning for more? Does he have the Tom Brady in for me? I expect he wants a Brady-esque kind of last chapter. I would think okay. there's a chance there's a chance that happens maybe in Denver, some probably west of where he is now. Um, look, he has some say. According to reports, he has some say in this, like as far as where the Packers trade him. Uh, unlike Brett, when this happened with Favre, Ted Thompson basically said, you're going to the Jets. And he said, that's yeah. hilarious. I'll, I'll do that for one year. I'm going to, quote, retire so they can release me. And then I'll go with the Vikings, which is where he always wanted to be. I do think there is an element there of, like, obviously Brett wanted to be in Minnesota because he wanted to stick it to the Packers. I do not doubt for a second that if Aaron Rodgers gets to a point at the end of the year where he is traded or out the door, what have you, oh, 100% yes, he wants to continue his career, specifically so he can show the Packers you've done messed up for whatever happens with Jordan love. If he continues to play at a high for two, three more years, it's hard to make the case for the Packers have having made the right call, unless Jordan love is the real deal, which yeah. we won't know for a while. So okay. I think, yeah, there's, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's got a lot of Michael Jordan in him as far as wanting to pay people back for every possible slight. And this would be a huge slight if they decided to move on. Well, I definitely think he has the uh, the mindset to do so. And I'm sure he's read many books about um, how to <laughs> karmically pay back the Packers front office. Uh, no let's talk about that other guy for a hot second. I mean, Tom Brady put together quite the season last year. And now he's saying in his 44th year that he feels he is at the best physical peak of his entire life, which is a little scary. So my question to you is, uh, will Tom Brady surpass 4,500 passing yards, 35 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions, which was kind of the baseline of what he was doing? I mean, this is kind of a little gambling slate. You know, I know that you guys I mean, have uh, casinos in Green Bay. <laughs> How could you bet against them at this point? Yeah, no, they're, they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun because yeah, of the Oneida Casino there. Check it out if you're in the Green Bay area. Um yeah, I mean, why would you ever bet against the guy? Like, look, I yeah. I understand there may be times when they have down weeks, right? Like, uh, I always think back to that Bears game, a Thursday nighter that they lost where uh, the Bears got after him good. And that was a little bit earlier than that. I think it was a game year and yeah. other time might be catching up. But, man, you can't argue with the results. The guy just knows the game so well that, sure, maybe his fastball isn't what it was, but – he knows how to put the football where other guys can't get it, where only his guys can. He yeah. knows how to adjust at the line of scrimmage. There's nothing he can't do still. So I don't, you know, I would I would definitely not bet against it. I, w- I would say I'll be surprised if he doesn't. Let's say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, my prediction for Thursday night is uh, pain for the Dallas Cowboys and your <laughs> old friend Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. 
I don't understand yeah, how anyone like Dak Prescott. I mean, I I am rooting for him the most. That was gut wrenching yep. to watch him walk off the field. 100%. He has not seen live action since that devastating ankle injury. Now he's dealing with the shoulder. How does Dak reasonably think that he's going to get against this uh, Buccaneers outstanding pack defense? Rush? Right. Hey, they're outstanding defense. Not only that, with Antoine Winfield Jr., who had a breakout season last year in that secondary. That um, yeah. yeah, I mean, how does he find the rhythm and the flow of the offense? And I think that that's why the the Bucks are laying eight points in this one. Um, yeah, his, only, his only is, chance, his only chance is to have a, uh, a productive running game, or at uh, least a commitment to the running game. It doesn't even need to be that productive, but they need a commitment to it. Uh, that's the best way to protect your young quarterback. Without right? their starting left tackle. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an uphill battle. There's no doubt. Look, Dallas has one hope in this game, and that's <sighs> somehow creating a turnover or two that give them either a short field or even maybe even a score, whether that's an interception, whether that's a fumble on a punt return or a kick return, something that gives them a jolt and or another opportunity to put points on the board. Because I, I just don't expect – especially a Mike McCarthy led football team in this scenario to come out and shorten the game. They way they probably need to like pound the rock. And even if that means it's three yards in a cloud of dust and it's ugly, keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. Hopefully who knows what the Cowboys are going to look on defense. I know they were awful last year, but uh, they're a very different crew this year, new coordinator, new system, who knows how they fare, but you got to keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. And the best way to do that is to just grind that clock. And I don't know yeah. if they're going to have the patience to do that. But to me, yeah, the the one hope they have is create a turnover or two. Yeah. We've seen weirder things happen in a week one game, right? I, I um, know. So I, it, I, you would never say never in the NFL, but I'd be shocked. I, I completely agree. I, but I think that this is going to be kind of a Lane Kiffin game where we're all going to be sitting back here and well, has he watched this team will miss absolutely obliterate. Um Love that he yeah. did that all remotely. Like up twenty six nothing at half, and he's getting oh, interviewed at halftime. Like hey, I'm just sitting in my, I'm just sitting at home. Like yeah, I might do this every week. Uh, oh, remember it. when Lane Kiffin coached the USC Trojans for like a hot five seconds for like thirty hot seconds? seconds? Yeah, that was yeah. that was a great minute, minute and a half. I, that was a lot of fun. I, I feel I feel like USC has such a you know they've had such a I adore Jackson and uh, Juju Smith Schuster. I remember going out there for their. Uh, pro day many moons ago, maybe four or five years ago for NFL Network. But I, you know, for a program of of that stature and for Willie McGinnis to go there, it seems to be that they just cannot keep the right football personnel and coaching staff you there. Can't get out of their own way. Very like, that's for sure. Dipping, yeah. That right. being said, well, Aaron Nagler, would you like to plug anything? And I need your Super Bowl prediction before you go. All right. Uh, obviously, it's the Packers, and I think it's Packers Bills. I mean, Ooh. just, 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 just give me Josh Allen versus Aaron Rodgers. That's all I want in life. Uh, uh, as far as okay. plugs go, just, just if you're interested in the Green Bay Packers in any way, shape, or form, head to cheesetv.com. We do podcasts, we do articles, we do videos, we do live shows, anything and everything about the Green Bay Packers around the Green Bay Packers. It's what we do. Three sixty-five. We eat, sleep, breathe. The Green Bay Packers. Wait a minute. I I have to I have to this parting gifts here. First of all, oh boy, parting um, gifts. I have to thank you for a video that went viral of mine last year where I made a stunning case for Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP for uh, the game day. 
Yeah. It got 11,000 views. And when great. I tell you, when I tell you, not only was I right, I was right. I did the you right were. prediction, but I had friends that moved from the Midwest over <laughs> to New England, to Boston in right. sports media and approached me and were like, you know, when's easy money coming back? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Go ask the company that hired me that doesn't want right. to do it anymore. And they right. said, I, you know, I have to tell you the reason I met you was because of that video and it was so well done and so well uh, thought through that, you know, when I saw it, it went viral. You made me, I made like 800 bucks on that. So listen, making friends, not only from here all the way to uh, coast to coast, you were the one <laughs> that I sent it to. Cause I was like, all right, Aaron Rodgers, I need to, I don't put it out there unless I, I think it's quality and it was definitely quality. So, okay. That's well, all on you know you. What? I just hit retweet. That's all. Tip, tip, tip the cap to Aaron, Aaron Nagler, Aaron Nagler, the other Aaron. Do you ever get confused? Do they ever confuse no the two of you? No, or they never. Make I'm, I, there are, there are many Aaron's in green Bay associated with the Packers. I am number three at most on the list. It's Aaron Rodgers, It's Aaron Jones. And then it's Aaron Nagler. Although okay. it's Aaron, Aaron. And then there's a long chasm. Great stuff. As always in that interview, it's a lot of fun catching up with old friends. And I found it absolutely fascinating. I mean, my jaw was on the floor when he mentioned the suggestion that Aaron Rodgers could possibly be traded at the end of the season, but then gave the Packers a uh, prediction to be in the Super Bowl. Here's two sides of the coin. Rodgers has a $50 million cap hit that obviously, if they're the front office, um, you're going to want to get rid of. Knowing that Aaron, this is his last year with the team, they're going to want to get something in return for him. Uh, outside of Aaron Rodgers getting injured, the former MVP, I mean, we're literally coming off of months of him being the MVP of the league. If he gets injured, I, I don't see any other scenario where Jordan Love comes into play. And not only that, if Aaron Rodgers for some reason gets disgruntled in that locker room and things start to fall apart, like he might get traded. Yes, that's correct. But for them to go to the Super Bowl, it's either one or the other for me. So I'm kind of weighing two different sides of the coin here. What do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter, Courtney Fallon underscore. You can go check out the Bad Signal podcast page on Instagram. We're working to get that beefed up. Get you some clips there. Tomorrow, Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated. He wrote quite the essay. Future Hall of Famer Paul Pierce. He's getting inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame this weekend. I got a couple questions to throw at Chris about his relationship with ESPN as he left. I have some questions about the chemistry inside the Celtics locker room as they went for their championship 17th banner in 2008. And those years, the fallout, 2009, 2010, which, listen, I think we all agree. If the injuries didn't get in the way, that team was destined to win another title. At least two, as Paul Pierce and Doc Rivers had said in this great article, if you go check it out on sportsillustrated.com. All right, that's all the time we got today. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you enjoyed it.
green seagull turn a deeper blue I could not foresee this thing happening to you 